welcome to the Collide podcast. We are in season four and just absolutely love being able to sit down with inspiring people. I'm Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide and the host of this podcast, if you haven't hopped on before. And I get so stoked to sit down and hear the way that God has shown up and collided in people's lives because it gives me hope that He is alive and well and doing amazing, beautiful things. And this interview that you're about to hear with my friend Eve Lise is so inspiring. If you just need to hear uh, a real life story of how God has shown up in a family and done absolutely beautiful things. Just press play on this one. Eve Lise is a worship leader. She's absolutely gifted and amazing. Her family moved to the U.S. from Venezuela and have an incredible story around that. I have a feeling that this interview will bless you in wherever you're at today. So check it out. Eve Lise, any moment I can steal away to hang out with you and hear more of your story is a blessing to me. I'm so excited that you took the time today to hop on to the Clyde podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored. <laughs> it's it's so fun to have you. And I've sat with you and your mom multiple times and heard your beautiful story. And it's so beautiful that I was so excited to say, let's share this with other people so they can hear it. And so I just thought we could start right away with, you know, you and your family moved to the U.S., in 2015 from Venezuela. And I want to talk about that. Let's just start with how old were you when your family made that big move? Yeah, I think I was 19, about to turn 20. Um, We were in Venezuela, of course, and my dad was just feeling for a little bit that there was something that was going to change in our lives. He just really didn't know what that was going to be or mm-hmm. what that looked like. Um, and yeah, during that time, my aunt who was, who has been living here in the U S for probably almost 20 years, she's been talking to my dad about, um, coming here to visit. And my dad was like, no, I don't, I don't think, um, that's an option for us right now in our country. It takes a lot for you to get a, an American visa. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was not an option. And we never really thought about like leaving our country. Um, and so my dad started to like pray about it. My mom started to pray about it and stuff started to happen in a way that was pretty obvious that God was, uh, just shifting things in our lives. Um, like people that we didn't even know coming to us saying like, Hey, like I want to, you know, give you this amount of money or like, Hey, um, there is something that I'm feeling with you guys. Like, I think God is going to take you somewhere else. And at mm-hmm. first, it just seemed very like, like what? There is no like this is just kind of weird. I don't know. We don't understand it, but um, it became pretty obvious that that's where God was just leading us. So, just to bring clarity around this, and it's not like you guys moved around a lot and <laughs> moved from one country to the next. I mean, you were very rooted in Venezuela. You had. Mm-hmm 
friends mm. and family and your your parents had work, right? Like the, it wasn't mm. like an easy mm. move to leave your people in your place. Yes, for sure. My mom, she was a teacher and she was, she's been working in this school um, with like kids from like first to sixth grade um, for like almost 20 years. And oh, wow. my dad used to work with a um, petroleum company and then he shifted to uh, a company with like uh, lactose uh, products. Um, and he was also working with like schools with a school uh, boss. Um, so, and then my brother was in high school and then I was um, very like, committed, like helping a church with like music. And then I was also going to college for uh, physics. And then I was also going to a different college for chemical engineering. So we were very rooted, like in our country, mm -hmm. for sure. Like, we had dreams and visions there, and and we had like all of our family there. So yes, mm -hmm. and I can imagine too, because I have a nineteen-year-old. I mean, you have in mind and have built in your mind dreams and visions in that space, in in that geographical mm -hmm. place, and mm -hmm. yeah. you've worked hard, and you're on a path, and you kind of have in mind what you're going to do. So this was a huge thing. It's really interesting to me that you sort of describe this thing that took place where your dad started to have a sense he could feel a change. I've experienced that before. It's almost like God's readying you for a change. You can almost feel it. You don't know what it is, but you know it's coming. But then you had all of these different things happen that prepared your hearts to know that he was going to basically ask you to be obedient and actually leave your people and your place and move to an entirely different country. So when that happened, what did that actually look like where you guys kind of got the download, like it's time to go, you're leaving, you're moving to the United States of America? Yeah, I remember um, something that was, I think, very big for us as a family, um, because first it was as a family, then it was kind of like everybody had their own uh, individual experience. Uh, we went, we've, we're able to get the money and like, yeah, God provided in like crazy way through people. Um, and so we went to the embassy uh, for our interview and normally, you know, they call you by name and you can see other people having their own interview and they were giving lots of no's or like decline mm -hmm. at that time. But we were just trying it out. You know, we had the possibility to do it. So yeah, let's go for it. And so um, we got to the embassy and we saw the family that was before us, like they said no. And they walk away and we were like, oh my gosh, okay, here we go. Like, let's, let's try it out. And so I remember we got there and normally you, you have to bring your paperwork to show like, you know, that you have properties and all that you do and stuff like that. Cause they do want to see like, like what, what's going on? Like, who, who are you? What's your plan? And so I remember my dad had everything with him and when the guy who's doing the interview, um, call, calls our, for our name and we, we move forward. Then he asked, how are we doing? How are you guys doing? And we were like, yeah, we're doing great. And then, um, he said, okay, um, do you, uh, do you guys have any properties? What do you guys, and what do you guys do? And my dad, the first thing he did was like, yeah, we do. And so he pulled out all his files and, you know, paperwork. And the guy was like, mm, you know what? I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't, I don't need to see it. Just, just tell me like, I, I just, just share with me. Mm -hmm. So that was like a big deal that 
they he was not interested in looking at the papers. So he just asked for questions and we answered what we were doing, what we had. And then he just smiled at us and he said, okay, your visa is approved. And so when we left that room, every, it just was how it went was so smooth that we just started mm-hmm. crying. We were like, oh my gosh, like this is a sign that we are moving. Um, but you know, like it's not just you saying, oh yeah, we're moving. Great. Awesome. No, like there is a lot that goes into that. You know, you, you're going to change your plans, go into a different country with different culture. You got to sell things. And it's just a lot that goes into that. So of course, in that moment, we were just like, wow, there is definitely something that God is doing here. Um, but at the same time, I think we didn't face that reality until my dad came to the U.S. first. He came on like March. And then around May, he called to say, hey, I got you guys your tickets. You guys are coming here too. Like I've spent some time here praying and it's just, I just can tell that God is just shifting everything for us. So hmm. you guys are going to come here in July. So, so he really say you guys were moving from Venezuela to the U.S. Can you give us a sense of some of the upheaval and difficult things that were going on in Venezuela at the time that you were about to leave? Yes. So at that time, we were having a lot of economic problems in our country, a lot of government shifting. um, And so that impact, like, what people were making at their jobs, like money, whatever they were making was just not enough. And then all the prices started to go like very high. And so, you know, if you were, if you, whatever you were making on a like monthly will be enough for food for like a week or two. Um, so it wasn't enough to have only one person working, but like two people had to be working and kind of doing a lot more to, you know, provide for their families. Um, and so there was a lot of that. And also with that came, um, you know, a lot of people that were, they didn't have the possibilities and they will be like stealing. And like there were, yeah, there were a few times that I was going to college on like a, a bus because that's how I, I used to go to college. Normally in my country, like people my age don't have a car until they are like 25 because it's not like necessary. You're just studying mm-hmm. and going to school. And normally you wait until you graduate uh, so you can find a job and then you get your own car. So it was normal people my age to driving buses and cars to school. And I remember there were like a time or two where I had like a person coming to me with like a knife or a gun asking me for like my backpack and like my things. Um, So definitely violence grew in a, in a, in a big way because of the necessity that people had. So that's kind of what would happen what was happening. Right. And that was sort of daily life. That was just the experience of being there. So your dad calls you guys. He's already in the U.S. He says, you know, it's time for you to come. And you guys sort of imagine pack up everything you can and leave and tell us what it was like to merge into an entirely new culture. Yes. Well, um, I mean, I remember when my first, when my dad first told us, I was mad. I was like, there is no, there is no way that's happening. But of course I, I'm not going to stay there by myself. And, um, I had the opportunity to come to the U S like two years before that. Um, because I was, I was, I was given a scholarship to study English in this program that was very particular where they would not only teach you the language, but also teach you about the culture. Mm-hmm. So 
I learned a few things, you know, like I learned, oh, peanut butter sandwich is like big deal in the United States and like <laughs> stuff like that. But I was like, okay, like this is this is important. And then, um, and so, um, thankfully, when the when it was time for the graduation, they asked, hey, who knows how to speak English and play basketball? And I saw the opportunity to help out in this program, so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Well, I didn't I didn't know what was I getting into, but I was getting selected into a program that um, selected three people from six different countries. Mm-hmm. And they were all going to come to the U.S. for like a two-week um, um, experience of like you getting to know the importance of values through sport. And so that was my first time ever coming to the U.S. And that really like opened my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. Like these huge buildings. And it's just very different, like different food, like you know, fried chicken in my country is not a, a big deal as you make it at home, but it's not a, like a big thing. So when you come here, I was like, oh, fried chicken everywhere. And it's so cheap. Like you have access to it. There was just so many things. And um, the people were so kind as well. And so that was a very good opportunity for me to practice English. So I kind of had a glimpse of what it looked like to mm-hmm. live in the U.S. Um, and And so when I came back, I remember when I did come back from that experience, I was going to like a, like a service at church. Um, the day after my dad, my parents were like, no, you're tired, but you want to come with us? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to come. And I remember that day, um, the guest speaker that was there decided to have like a worship moment. And he, he came to me during that worship time and he said, Hey, there is something that God wants you to know. And I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of tired. I had, I, I thought everything was great, but I was like, what's going on here? And so he said to me, God wants you to know that you are not going to leave in this country. And he said a few other things, but that was a line that really I was in shock by. I was like, what is this? And And how many years before your dad, like you guys got the green light to go? How many years before was this? Two years. Two Two years. years Okay. So, so again, God readying you, readying yes, your heart, speaking right. you, giving you the bravery to yes. make a leap. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So I was like so shocked. My, I remember we went back home and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting that I literally just came from this country that I've never been to. And I was so like, wow, like in shock and at the same time inspired. And so I was like, this is just so crazy. So I remember I wrote it down. I still have the notebook where I wrote that down and I have the date and everything. And so... When my dad tells us, okay, you guys are going to, are going to come here. I was, I didn't, I didn't want to move, but at the same time I was like, okay, I kind of know how it looks like being over there. So yeah, let's go for it. So the thing is that experience was for only two weeks. And then, yeah, I did speak the language, but you know, it's not the same living in a country uh, where you're actually no turning back and then speaking a different language and getting to know the culture. And so when we first got here, I remember the first few months were just a little bit, a little bit hard. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that because there is no way to do it. Um, but even, especially for my mom, like there were days where she spent days crying um, mm-hmm. because of how hard it was for him, for her to know that, you know, we didn't have our family anymore. We didn't have our community anymore. We didn't have our comfortable things to do anymore, but we have to kind of start from the bottom again. Um, mm-hmm. So. So, yep, that was a little bit challenging for sure. What did you miss most and what do you miss most about Venezuelan culture? Um, well, uh, I think food is a big one. Um, 
I, I think I miss the food for sure so much, but, um, but if I had to be like very honest, because I mean, at the end food is food, so food is good. But, um, I think community is a part that I will say I miss the most, like in my mm-hmm. country before it's just so, uh, welcoming at the front end. Like we like, we are very affectionate as well. Like people, everybody's hugging each other, kissing each other. <laughs> like there's just a lot of affection. Um, mm-hmm. and there's just something about it. You know, there are people that you don't know what they need, but when you give them a hug, that's just, it's like, that's just what they needed. And so that was just very special to us. Like you can have people over that you don't know and you still offer them food and you give them a place to stay. Um, there were many times where my mom would just see people on the street and she knew that they were always around that area and they were always, they were always asking for food and my mom will always invite them and then have them use like our shower for them to take a shower or so. So there is that, like that community that's just, mm-hmm. it's just natural in our country. I will say like, if you see somebody on the road with their car broke down, like you will have many people stopping by to check, how's it going? How are you doing? Like there were times where my dad's car broke down and we'll, we'll have to be talking to people constantly because people were stopping to ask, how is it going? How are you guys doing? People do have an agenda of, you know, to keep their lives organized. But when it comes to being with family and people, that's what matters the most. So, you know, me telling someone, hey, can we hang out tomorrow? They'll, they wouldn't be like, oh, let me check out my calendar. I'll let you know for next month or like next week at 3 p.m. if I can do it for like an hour or so. There is always that uh, quick um, availability uh, for you to be with your people. Mm-hmm. Most of us desire to do amazing things with our lives, but we often doubt that we can. We let our weaknesses boss around our strengths and our insecurities drown out our gifting. But what if God could use exactly what we've got to pull off something big? Our book titled Yes You is a beautifully designed, full-color, 12-part Bible study where we center around the passage in John 6 where Jesus fed 5,000 people with one boy's lunch. As you engage scripture, read personal stories, and reflect on questions that invite you to new places, you'll be challenged, encouraged, and inspired. We can't wait for you to dive into this study, so go to wecollide.net slash store to get your copy of Yes You now. When you came to the U.S., what did you notice or what was kind of the most shocking things about culture that were so different for you than what you'd experienced? Besides Um, peanut butter sandwiches, which I'm kind of curious, did you ever try one? Yes, for sure. Yeah, now they are part of my lifestyle every other time. That's for sure. (laughs) They're so good. Um, Yes, I love peanut butter now. That's for sure. Peanut um, butter and jelly, peanut butter and honey, peanut butter yes, and bananas. I love what's, those. what's all of it? I, I love all of those. Yeah, especially Nutella. Well, I love Nutella. That's that's a very expensive thing in my country. Yeah. Um, well, Nutella is. I think it started in Europe. I had it first in Germany before. I think it was oh, even there we in go. US, long time ago. But oh, my first time was here, and um, I will always be thankful for that day. That's I love sure. it. I love that you're hitting up the PB and J. What else did you find that was like, wow, this is so different from where I'm from? Mm, Yes. Um, Well, like say, I do remember, I think the first time I went into church um, and um, I got to meet a few people. And like I said, I was, you know, you are, I was used to this. Once you're introduced to someone next time, you can just give them a hug and kiss them. And Mm -hmm. so 
I remember my first time getting to meet one of the few people that I met at, at a church. Um, the second time I was to see them, I went immediately to give them a hug and a kiss. And I could tell they were like, whoa, like, like they, they didn't say anything, but you could tell they were like a little bit surprised <laughs> about it, you know? And then I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. Then I was like, I probably shouldn't do that here. Like, you know, like if you kiss a guy on the cheek, like, and you're not like really like something, then that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's not, that's weird. Okay. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I cannot do those things. And so, you know, there are things like that, that I started to notice, or when I started to wanting to get together with some people, um, I started to see like the kind of agenda that people tend to have, you know, it's very planned. Everything has a schedule. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like it's, I remember the first time I asked somebody to go out, they were like, okay, I can do, it was on a Friday. And I was like, yeah, I can do like Tuesday at 2 PM. Um, we can have for like an hour or so, or like if I, I started just to notice like this kind of like very planned life that uh, people tend to have. And that's, I'm not against it at all. Um, I just didn't notice that, you know, just work and the BC lifestyle is just very important. And, mm -hmm. and I was not, I was not used to that. I was used to more like, yeah, you can be busy with life, but like, you know, every time when it comes to like family and friends, like that should be more of a priority than, than work. And so I've talked to you and your mom before. And I think one of the things that stands out to me the most that you bring from your experience in mm -hmm. Venezuela is this in our culture, it might feel extreme, but I mean that in a good way, this extreme, <laughs> like high value around family. Mm. I mean, I've even heard you talk about a willingness to move, you know, to be, you know, if you had to, to be near your parents or your brother or, or if they were to move and you have, you know, such a high value around family time that you have traditions steeped in getting together. I mm. think that's so beautiful. And I know you've mentioned it seemed way different than what you experienced in American culture. Can you mm. kind of talk about uh, mm. this value that your family has and how you, how you keep that a value or what you yes. do to keep it centered in your life? Yes. Yeah. So when we moved here after like a month or two, when we started to, you know, um, work and then get established and all that, my dad gathered all of us one night and he said, Hey, you guys, I'm noticing that we are kind of changing, um, the rhythm of life that we had in Venezuela. And I remember me and my brother looking at each other, like, what are you talking about? Um, and he said, you know, in our country, we used to have like more time with each other. And I'm noticing that now I barely get to see you. Like when we talk it's very quickly during like dinner time or so, and then everybody goes to bed next day, you go to work and the Sunday we go to church together. And after that, it's just like, everybody goes to do their own thing because you're tired or you want to clean your room or whatever. And so my dad said, we're going to change that pattern. We're going to make sure that no matter what, like Sundays after we go to church, um, and my dad used to say, you know, the week has, I don't know, like 360 hours. I can't remember the right number, but he said, and we basically only spend one hour at church on Sundays. So he's like, we are not going to miss a time. Like, that's just, it's an important thing for us. So we're going to make sure we do that. And then we're going to have lunch together and we're going to spend time together. Like Sunday afternoon, you guys, no matter like what many things you have to do, those things are going to have to wait because we're going to be together. And then also Friday night is going to be family night. No matter 
what you guys want to do, we are just going to be together. Like whether we go out for a movie, whether we make food at home together or whether we just play cards together, whatever. And so my dad really made that a rule, like to the point where if Friday night a friend will ask me to, to go out, I'll be like, I'm sorry. Like I can't, I think I probably did that like twice. And I remember my dad's face when I told him, Oh, I have to be at church for something or I have to do this. He looked at me like, girl, this is, this is not what I said to do. Like we got to keep it together. So I remember there were only like two times when that happened, but besides that, we really made it a priority. And I'm so thankful that we kept it as a priority because it's just, it's what's whole our family together. Because if not, we wouldn't know anything about each other. Mm -hmm. And when I've talked to, a few friends of mine, um, and they'll be like, Eva, what are you doing Friday night? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be with my family. They'll be like, oh, come on, like, let's do this, let's go. And I'm like, well, no, like, family is just an important thing to me. And then they will ask me, like, how can you have your family so united? How can you guys trust in each, on each other so much? And I'm like, well, if you want to grow your relationship with your people, the way to do it is by spending time with each other. And mm -hmm. so uh, I've had friends tell me how they have lost that with, that with their families because they're doing their own thing and they just come together whenever it happens. And I've, I've noticed that, that that will never happen by itself. Like maybe there are situations when it will happen, but besides that, unless you make it a priority, that will creep in. And it's so inspiring because your family's inviting us into an intentionality that I think hmm. busyness and you know hustling and success in phones are sort hmm. of uh, breaking apart that family time value. Mm -hmm. And I always talk in my family about fighting for a family. You know, I have teenagers, so it's pretty developmentally normal that teenagers don't necessarily want to hang out with their parents all the time. And I can be the bad guy, but I, I always just say, look, I'm going to fight for a family. You can be mad mm -hmm. at me all you want, but I'm going to keep fighting for family. Meaning like, mm -hmm. I'm going to fight. We have time together. I'm going to fight. We stay yes. close. Like that's always going to be a fight. I'm willing to be the bad guy for, you know, but you guys yes. are so inspiring because you're a, you know, a young adult, you're not a teenager and you guys are still saying this is center to who we are and how we want to live. And I think it's so interesting because you guys came over here and in a lot of ways had to embrace a new culture while also choosing to hold on to your own personal values that might have felt mm. somewhat different than the culture you were embracing. How mm. do you think that? that embracing a new culture while holding on to your own values sort of shaped you into a better person yeah. than you would have been if that wasn't your life story. Mm, yeah. Well, there is something about getting to know people and spending time with people that are not like you. Um, and when you are with, you know, in a group of people that are completely different to you, there are a few things that you can do, but basically I'll divide it in two ways. You can either complain about it and just live miserably because you don't get along or you don't understand, or you can just embrace the differences with love and, and also learn to appreciate that there is beauty in differences and that's what makes us unique. And so definitely, I think, you know, getting to be with people that are completely different than me and think differently and see things differently um, has just, uh, allowed me to grow in my level of understanding people and has helped me even develop, uh, well, I wouldn't say develop, but like help me love people better because it is easy to love people that are like you, that think like you, 
that mm-hmm. want things the way you you like them right and so but that's not what we were i think made to do you know if if we if the war, if love was based in commonalities then that wouldn't be love um you know love is based on decision and and the decision to do to to do consider and kind acts for people without expecting anything in reward so um it definitely helped me to to grow and understand people more and then you know growing the way that i love people that no matter what they do and the way they think um they are human beings and at the end we have more things in common that differences like we all want to be respected and valued and seen and accepted and so i am yeah i'm definitely thankful for that experience because i don't think it would have been the same if i would have not shifted Mm. that life in that way so when you think back to your life before you guys made this big leap and then, you know, mm. you could have ignored it. You could have pushed it down. You could have come up with a million reasons why it makes zero sense to leave your country of origin, mm. your worldly possessions, your relatives, your family, everything your parents worked for their entire lives. Uh, and God often nudges us sort of gives us a sense that we're to do something and almost invites us to, but we can actually run from it, you know? Mm. And I think your parents could have run from this, but they made this big leap. How do you think God has blessed you guys for their obedience to say yes Mm. to the call to leave their people and and their place and go to a land that Mm. he would show them? Um, yes. Well, um, I totally believe that, um, you know, sometimes it is in us, in our lowest points that God reveals to us who he is in a completely different way. Um, and we're able to see it as well because, you know, like I can, um, buy my own house and my own car with the money that I make at my job. But if I lose my job and then I have nothing to do, well, that's an opportunity for me to see how God can provide. You know, if I've always have access to things because I can do it on my own, that I never really get to experience how God can show up and do amazing things. Um, and so um, I remember when we were also in Venezuela before, right before we uh, hop on the plane, there was this, uh, one of our friends who came with us and he looked at my mom and he said, I want you to know that the same God that was with you here in Venezuela is the same God that's going to be with you in the United States of America. And so um, when we got here, um, the way that my dad just found a job with this great guy who was a Christian and just wanted to support him all the way. Um, the way that I just started uh, to get connected with people from the church that I am currently attending to as well. Um, and how God just opened the doors for me to be able to like be a part of the worship team, which I never thought I was going to do because I was like first limitation and the huge one. And the like, biggest one is like my language. Like I'm not very fluent in English, so there is no way I'm going to be doing that here. But how God opened those doors, how God provided a job for my mom as well, how God provided a job for me. Um, and it was through people that we didn't even know. Like, um, And then how God provided a scholarship for my brother. He, was, he wanted to play baseball and God provided a scholarship for my brother to go to the university and continue to play baseball. Um, and then we were able to also help other people that were coming here that didn't have a place to go. Um, we were just able to help them out. And honestly, all of those doors, all of those things that have happened um, are things where we have seen 
it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't because of God. Um, mm -hmm. Also, like my parents' relationship is like better than ever. Like they just became closer with each other and were able to also help other people um, in the community they were a part of because um, they, they had like a big Hispanic community that they were able to help and pour into because, you know, sometimes we think that we need to do something big so we can do like big impacts. And sometimes just by telling somebody, I left my country and now I'm here starting from the, from the top, from the bottom, um, that can be a part of a story that got uses to tell someone you can do it too. Like mm -hmm. if you do what I'm asking you to do, no matter how challenging it is, I'll also supply for you, um, in bigger ways. So, um, definitely there's been a lot of things like that, that we've seen, um, got showed up for us. So, mm -hmm. Evaley, so you just sort of mentioned this like it was a small thing. And I have to be honest, I don't know that I've ever thought about it. You you now lead worship. You get paid like you're a vocational <laughs> minister in a sense. You get paid to lead worship in a, you know, mega church of sorts. And you're singing in a language you had to learn. And you, you've mm. led worship multiple times at Collide conferences. And I mean, I've been weeping with my hands held high to Jesus in those moments and just praising God for the gift that he's given you. What an absolutely just turn of events. And mm. it's so crazy how much he's gifted you and poured into you. And sometimes when you lead us in worship in English, and then you also break out into your, you know, native tongue, it's so, so beautiful. How has God shown up in that part of your story and shown you mm. that you were made to do this, to use your voice? Mm. Well, I remember, and I'll never forget this, I was 10 years old when my mom my, when my mom dragged me out of the bed and she said, you're going to come to the kids uh, choir. And I was like, mom, I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, and she's like, oh yeah, you're going to do it. Like, you're I, like, I'm the one who pays the bills with your dad. So I'm going to do this. And so I remember she brought me to the choirs, like a rehearsal and I was there so mad. And the, the, the director, the choir's director was like, okay, Eva, this is how we do it and stuff like that. And I did have fun, like getting to know the people and stuff like that. I, you know, I was seeing them at church every time. So I remember my first time singing with the choir. I wasn't even singing a solo, but just like, you know, singing in the choir. I remember when I came out of the stage, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. This is so much fun. This is great. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first time singing a solo. It was basically because the girl who was supposed to sing the song, she didn't show up. And they were like, Eva, can you just sing it for now so we can practice the parts? And I did it. And the uh, director was like, oh, Eva, you're going to be the one singing that song. And I was like 10 years old at that time. And I was like, uh, okay, sounds good. And I started to do it a little bit more, like, you know, often. And, and I fell in love with it. Um, and so I will forever be thankful for my mom deciding to drag me out of bed and made me do it because I don't think I will be here today if it wasn't because of her. Um, and so I remember as we started to attend to church, to attend to a different church. Uh, and um, in that church, I, I also auditioned for the worship team. I was already, I, th I think I was like 14, 15 at that time. And um, 
I started to do like harmonies and you were a little bit more exposed because instead of a choir, it was more like only four vocalists. So you are a little bit more exposed. And I remember um, at one point they asked me if I wanted to do a solo and I was like, oh yeah, I would love to do that. So I remember that one time I did not, I, I did not do a very good job. That's just the truth. Like I was just so nervous. I was just shaking and uh, my voice was shaky and all that. I was thankfully untuned, but it's still, I was not able to like lead people in that song. And I remember like a day after my, my leader kind of like met with me in a private conversation and she was like, um, Hey Eva, um, I think really this is not your thing. Um, I think this is not like what God has for you. You're good at doing vocals and stuff like that. And I think for now, and that's where we're going to keep you. Um, because there is no way that this is your, this is your thing. And I was like, all right. So at the moment I felt a little bit sad about it, but then I was like, oh, maybe that, maybe that's, maybe she's right. You know, but maybe that's it. And I remember like, she made sure that even if I wanted to help out at a youth event or something like that, she made sure that, Hey, like Eva Lisa cannot lead. Like she's only doing harmonies. And for a moment, it just, I just start to believe that, yeah, maybe that was not my thing. Maybe I'll have to figure out something else. But, you know, when you have fallen in love with something, it's just hard to just get away from it. And then uh, my family had transitioned to a different church. Um, it was just God's timing. And, and in this church, my parents were like, do you want to like audition for the worship team? And at that point, I was like, no way. Like, no, like, that's it. This is not my thing. That's not going to happen. And my parents were persistent. They didn't just stay sitting down being like, okay, that's what you want. That's fine. No, my parents, they are persistent. And I think that's just such an important thing to be surrounded by, right? People that when they see something in you, that they will be able to like tell you, no, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And so my parents didn't just stay like that or, or happy with that decision. They just will always constantly be like, Eva, like you got to keep trying. You got to keep doing this. And um, I believe sometimes, you know, God will allow no's from people um, to remind you or make you understand that it is what he says that matters. It is not sometimes what people say about you that determines your destiny. And so one time I was like, Cheryl, I'll audition. That I'll, I'll do it. I'll audition. And I auditioned for the worship team and I got in. I was still pretty like nervous and told myself, I don't think I can really do this. I think I just really believe whatever that leader said to me at one point. Mm -hmm. And there was one day me in my room, I was having a conversation with God and I was like, God, if you ever want me to like speak on a stage or like do more than just singing a song, I'm just not going to do it. This is not my thing. Like, I just can't. I'm nervous. That makes me I'm, I'm scared. So I'm not going to do it. And I remember having the conversation with God and I really didn't stay in my room to listen. I just wanted to give him my thoughts and that's it. And um, during a service, um, me singing a uh, a song. I can't really remember wh what song it was, but I just felt just this passion and love in me for what I was doing. Um, and I just, I just could hear God saying, this is what you were made to do. Um, and you just need to step into it. Like you own it because it is what I've called you to do. And that, that moment just changed my life forever. And, and so when I, um, started to attend to the church that I currently attend to and, um, I was asked by my aunt to join the worship team. And I was like, no, like, it's okay, please, family. Like, this time I'm being serious. Like, you guys cannot be more persistent. Like, just just leave me. Like, it's okay. Um, 
but my aunt of course didn't listen because she's a part of my family too and basically that that comes from my dad's side they tend to be very persistent and so i remember my aunt um talked to the um uh worship team director at that time and he you know came talk to me and i was like yeah sure yeah i'll send an email wherever you want me to do it so we can set up a time for an audition but then i said i sent an email and they never got back to me and then after like a month or two later my aunt reached out to me she's like hey have they reached out to you and i said no not yet so it's okay maybe it's not time yet but my aunt stopped by the church and talked to them saying like hey like what's going on like she she sent an email like a month or two ago and so uh the worship leader assistant reached out to me saying hey eva your aunt stopped by the church uh, would you like to have an audition tomorrow? So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And so um, I remember I came in and we just had a conversation. They just wanted to get to know me. And then they asked me to sing a song. And the only uh, English worship song that I knew at that time was Oceans by Hilson. Mm. And so I said, this is the only song I know if that's okay. They're like, oh, yeah, we know that song. That's fine. And so when I was going to start singing, he said, can you sing it in Spanish if that's what you prefer? And I was like, what? Are you serious? Can I do that in Spanish? Yeah, yeah, of course. And so I started singing the song in Spanish and I like a minute into the song and he started to cry. And, you know, I'm, I don't know him. So I'm like, all right, like, I'll just keep singing. Like, okay, <laughs> like, like, this is not weird. All right. So I just kept singing. And when I'm done with this song, he said, wow, like, he said, I just got to hear your story and how you basically just moved from your country and how God brought you guys here. And now I'm listening to you singing this song in your language. And he said, I'm, I've listened to this song a thousand times, but this is the first time I'm listening to it um, because I'm getting right now a picture of how beautiful it is that no matter where we come from and our backgrounds and our cultures, that we are still one in the God that we worship and that we still worship the same God. And so that was such an special moment. And after that, they were like, okay, we're going to, you're, you're going to be a part of the worship team. I'll just send you the schedule and all that. And then the rest is history. Right. There's so many things that I love about this story. I love that there were people God put in your life that pushed you and mm. were persistent on your behalf because they believe in you so much. And I think mm. like, even as I'm sitting here, I have goosebumps because I think, wow, like what God is saying to me through that is if there's someone right mm. now that you believe in, but they don't believe in themselves. Mm. advocate for them, push for them. Because sometimes we believe old lies, right? Old lies mm. still lie. And yeah. it's so hard to battle those. And to have people who came around you and saw in you what was hard to see in yourself, and they they fought and advocated for you to finally be able to do what you're made to do is so mm. beautiful. Because yeah. truly, Eve Elise, when you sing, it, everyone knows it's what you're made to do everyone in the room. And so it's so cool that God put those people in your life. And also that you didn't let old lies keep lying to you and mm. you, you're stepping in and you're owning it. And it's so beautiful to watch. I feel like we could talk forever, but we can't. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to have you on another time, but I do want to close asking you this question. You're a worship leader and 
you, you know, have worshipped God in Venezuela. You've worshipped God in the United States. Like you just said, he is the same God and he is everywhere. And you've worshipped God when things are hard and when things are good and when you've had nothing and when God has given you so much. And I think for a lot of people, it's really easy to give God props when things are easier, when things are going good. Um, or on a Sunday at church, but it's an entirely other thing on a hard Wednesday or in a time of crises or in a time where you feel like God's not answering your prayers or you feel desperate or panicky or whatever. And so I'm just kind of curious what your advice would be for those people who are in that place where they're like, and it is so hard to come to God and like be grateful and praise him and worship him because I don't feel like I know what he's doing or where he's at. Hmm. Yes. I think what I will say to that person is um, God has so much more to give you than to ask of you. Um, it's very easy to first think, okay, well, if God is going to do this for me, I, I need to do this. Or if I want this, I need to do this. But um, you need to know that God has so much more that he wants to give you than ask from you. And sometimes what um, what we can do is just, the best thing to do is just to do nothing and just sit there. And God, in that in those moments, he will just know what to say, what what to do, what, what to fill you up with. Um, and the good thing that I tell myself all the times, and especially in hard situations, is that God never changes. And so for me to know that the same God that filled me up with, filled me up with like happiness and joy and peace when everything was great, um, he's the same today. Like he's the same God available today to in the midst of hardship also fill you up with peace and joy and kindness and all that we need. So um, it's easy to... Um, not think about that when humans uh tend to change or be different every other day like we like we are right um but god that god is not god is constant in who he is so no matter how high or how low uh we feel or are god is still god and he's still capable to do what he can do best in the midst of hardships or mm -hmm. good times as well mm -hmm. Eva Lise, thank you so much for hopping on today. Thank you for continuing you. to just tell your story. It's so evident that God is showing up and has shown up in your life. And that gives us hope that he can show up in ours. So thank you. Amen. Thank you so much for having me, Willow. Love talking with you. That's for sure. I love talking with you too. Wow, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Eve Elise. There's so many things that stand out to me about her story, but I think it's so absolutely cool that she was pushed to do something she didn't think she was good at, nor even interested in, and it was in actually doing it that she realized that she was made for something. And it was the confirmation of community telling her so and advocating for her that finally led her to her calling, but also having an experience, and I'm sure you can resonate because I know that I can resonate with having an experience where someone, sort of a wounded collision where you run into someone and they wound you, they sort of make you feel like you're not enough 
And it's so easy to believe those lies and then let those lies keep lying and sort of keep you down and hold you back from your destiny and hold you back from your calling. And I love that Eve Lise stepped out of that lie and has just decided to own it. And I don't know where you're at today, but I hope that you can be in the practice of that work, that you can battle those lies, step out of them and instead step into and own your destiny, own what you're made for. I know that God has something big and bold and beautiful and full of life for you. And there might be a way right now where you're holding yourself back or you're allowing old voices and old lies and old wounds to hold you back. And my greatest hope for you today is that you would say no more, no more lies. I'm going to fully step in to my God-given destiny and believe that there's good for me. And so my hope today is that you'll do that. If you need help doing that, we have so many resources on our website at wecollide.net. We have a Bible study called Yes You that is a 12-part book on really leaning into this idea that God can use you to do amazing things and you can battle those lies. We also have a free a free resource that you can download on replacing lies with truth. We also have a counseling bundle course if you want to do some deeper work on how some old wounds might be holding you back and how you can receive healing for them. So we have so many resources for you, friend. I hope you'll keep colliding. Subscribe to this podcast, share it if you want, and come back next week. You are loved by God. And wherever you are, he's going to show up and collide with you.